And most people have attained their greatest success just one step beyond their greatest failure. And I love that quote because we get to fail every day. I think that people like us actually fail a lot more than a lot of other people because one of the things that we're willing to do is we're willing to take a risk to fail. Welcome to the Outperform Podcast. My name is Scott Welly. I'm an author, speaker, and the founder of Outperform the Norm, a global movement that helps people achieve peak performance in their personal and professional lives. I've spent my life working with top performers in business as well as athletics, and each week it's my aim and mission to bring you an inspiring person to share their personal stories and insights, or perhaps it'll be a personal message from me, but with one very simple goal in mind, to help you outperform. Your time is precious, and I want to thank you for spending it with me here today. But just one small ask before we get started. If you find value from this podcast, the greatest way that you could possibly thank me would be to head on over to iTunes or whatever your favorite podcast platform happens to be and give it a five-star review. Also share it with somebody that you know that you would like to help outperform so we can all grow this movement together and strive to make the world a healthier, happier, higher performing place. Once again, thank you for being here. And without further ado, let's get started. Jason, welcome to the Outperform Podcast. How are you? Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me today. I'm doing great. Awesome. How do you define outperforming in your life and what does it mean to you to outperform? So I think for me, outperforming is going beyond where you're already at and always trying to find a way to be better. And I know that's easier said than done, but really I look at trying to live my life exceptionally, where I take all these different parts of my life from my personal well-being, my mindfulness, physicality, work, taking care of my family, spirituality, my level of energy, and trying to make every part of those a little bit better each day, finding maybe where I'm struggling in those or where I failed and trying the next day to actually improve upon that. So you just named a lot of different areas of your life. So how do you, when you think about getting just a little bit better, outperforming kind of the, the 211 to 212, the one degree or the 1%, how do you segment out the different areas of your life that you think about trying to improve? And what does that look like for you on a day-to-day basis? So I think going back to a long time ago when I went to flight school in the U.S. Navy, I had to learn about this word called compartmentalization. And so breaking things up into little segments of your day because we were taught through flying that everything had to be compartmentalized from getting your flight gear on to checking the airplane before you start the engines up, the checklist that you go through to actually start the engines. And then once you're airborne, something could happen. So emergency procedures, where you need to be talking on the radio. And I took that years ago, 20 years ago now, and started to try and see how I could fit that into my life. And so I started thinking about compartmentalizing each part of my day. So early up in the morning, get up, have my glass of water, get the body started, do a little bit of stretching, and then jump right into my workout. During that workout, I might take 10 to 15 minutes to actually do some diving into a personal help or personal growth, self-help type of book, get some of that material in my mind so I can kind of get me fresh eyes on what the day is ahead. And then I also even think about my spirituality during the day, and I break that up into 10 to 15-minute segments. So I know that on my way to work, I can cover something like that. I can take a break at work, and I can spend five minutes doing something else. During my lunch break, I might go for a walk and work on my mindfulness, 
or even five to 10 minutes of meditation. And so I really try to take the day and break those 86,000 seconds up into where I can fit things best. So I'm so curious to really dig into this a little bit more because you're the first guest I've ever had that has talked about compartmentalizing their life or at least use that word. And I think it's very interesting. But before we even get into it, you have got an extremely impressive background as far as what you've done uh, up to this point. Can you just share with the audience a little bit more of who you are and how you got to where you are today? So I'm, I'm humbled by your words because I feel like I'm just continuing my story. But yeah, so where I'm at now, so or where I came from. So I grew up in a small town in Northern California, two immigrant parents, never educated. And I had this driving desire at nine years old. I'd, I'd seen this Peace Corps worker that was a family medicine doctor. And I said, you know, one day that's what I want to do. I see, I see what that person is doing to help people. And so at nine, I had this idea that I want to be a doctor one day. But I knew that coming from a family that didn't really speak English, that wasn't educated, that made hardly any money at all. We were pretty poor. I ended up living in my truck in high school for a year while still going to school. And I had this driving desire to go to college. And then when I got to college, I studied pre-med. I was still on that path to want to become a physician. Then my roommate came back from a career fair and he said, hey, we should think about joining the military. And so we were looking at the Navy and the Marine Corps and The Marine Corps had some rules on when I could go to school to do this or that. I said, well, the Navy seemed like the best fit at the time. And so I joined the Navy. And next thing I know, I became an officer in the U.S. military. This was before September 11th. So we were in peacetime. And I still knew I wanted to be a physician one day. But I also thought, hey, this might be a way to pay for medical school later on. And so I went into flying, went to flight school. And next thing I know, I'm doing missions around the world, moving every few years it landed me an opportunity to go to UC Berkeley where I got to go be a Naval ROTC professor. And during that tour, I got to mix in with civilian people at the same time, not just military. And I became a volunteer coach with the UC Berkeley football team. Next thing you know, I'm working with college athletes, doing triathlons. I'm on the UC Berkeley triathlon team and I'm getting to travel everywhere. And I made friendships there that just opened the door. And the next thing you know, I'm tutoring some of these guys who became professional athletes. And that opened the door for me in another way where I started doing this leadership and ethics-based type of coaching. And then a few years later, I go to medical school. I become a certified coach with the John Maxwell team because I'm totally sold on this whole personal development idea. And I got to go to med school, and now I'm a family and sports medicine doctor, and I'm still continuing my service and wrote my first book. So if that's a nutshell, that's the best way I can do it right now. Yeah, so so this is the point where even I start to just feel like a worthless loser when I'm thinking about all of what you just named. So let's see, Jason, you are a you're a doctor, you're a pilot, you're an athletic coach, you're a leadership coach. I think you're an adjunct professor, right? Am, am I missing anything, or is that you're a triathlete? Um, yeah, but number one is I'm a dad. So number one, I'm a dad of two girls. That's the most important. Well, good for you and congratulations on everything you've done up to this point. And um, it's just really, really impressive. So that, that's, I'm privileged to have you here on the podcast today. Um, to go back into the compartmentalization that you talked about before, is that something that was really instilled in you in the Navy or tell me how that came about? So I would say it was kind of a mix. So I'd say the Navy definitely highlighted some of the things or taught me a little bit more about doing that because especially when you become an officer, you're going to be in charge of anywhere from 10, 20, 100, 200, 1,000 
men and women at the same time. And so you do really have to compartmentalize your day, especially if you have a family, if you have other activities that you enjoy. For instance, like you said, triathlons or doing something, being an adjunct professor, finding something else that you care about. I had to really find a way to do that. I, I do look back on my high school days, though, and I thought about when I was captain of the varsity basketball team or I was running or I was working one or two jobs during high school and then those 10 months that I lived in my truck during high school, that compartmentalization was at 16, 17 years old before I even joined the Navy. And I think what the Navy did was just kind of highlighted that. And then going to flight school, definitely, because you had to basically have your head on a swivel all the time, good situational awareness, really breaking down your day. Because as a lot of us know, those of us that are in this outperforming realm or at least wanting to try and outperform, mm -hmm. we've got to really segment our day so we can get everything done. So I, I, are you familiar with Brian Tracy? Have you heard, heard of Brian Tracy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, so John Maxwell talks about him a lot. Who talks about him a lot? John Maxwell oh, does. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, so he's a guy that I've just, I've always been a huge fan. I've been a huge fan of Maxwell, but also a fan of Brian Tracy. And I think I heard Brian Tracy say that every minute spent planning saves 10 minutes in execution. I think that's one of the things he says. So is that something when you look about compartmentalizing, getting the most out of your day, is that something that early on, you early on in your day, you kind of just look at your day and think about how you can get the most out of it. Or I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. I'm just really trying to think of how you put this into play and also some things that you can give to the listeners that they can apply in their own lives to use this to be more productive, be more efficient and effective with what it is that they're doing. So I'll be completely honest. I, and I don't, not to sound cliche in any way, it all starts the night before or the day before. And okay. so I think about how today went. And so tonight, literally, like we're, we're moving out of our house today and we're staying in a hotel, but I already had it planned in my to-do list that once we get the girls to bed, we fed them, that I spent about 45 minutes getting ready for tomorrow. And in that 45 minutes, I do take about five to 10 minutes to look at my to-do list. I look at the things that have to get done. Mm -hmm. I'll look back and see what I didn't finish today. And I'm like, did I not finish that today because I got too busy? Or is it really something that wasn't that important that I may have thought was important previously? And I have a list down of two or three people I need to make a phone call to, someone I might need to send a text message to, I need to check email, but I also get that set up. I get my clothes ready for the gym in the morning and I have that right by the door. Uh, I do get a glass of water. I know this sounds funny. I get a glass of water already filled and I put it on the bathroom sink and I actually drink a glass of water right when I wake up. Mm -hmm. And I've been sharing that because that just gets my day going. It gets the cells fed and and I really think about what I need to do tomorrow, starting the night before, if even a couple of days before that. So you're definitely someone that plans your tomorrows today. And I've got some more questions to ask on that. But, but what you're talking about, and I hope the audience is getting this, I think I heard it for the life of me, I cannot remember the book that it was in, but they were talking about shaping the environment and they were talking about making it as easy as possible to have success. And when you just talk about what a lot of people will probably think are very small things like setting out your clothes for the gym the night before, having a glass of water ready when you first wake up, it sounds like a really, really small thing, but actually doing those very small things, now all of a sudden you're not encountering as much resistance when you first wake up in the morning. It's just easier to get into kind of that positive motion, that momentum. I mean, is that how you kind of look at it? Yeah, I, for sure. And one of the other words I'll throw in you, I guess we're using the C words with compartmentalization, but the word compounding, kind of when you think about like a bank account or dividends in a stock account, that compounding interest. So those little things 
lead to huge results. And I know you believe in that. It's like doing a triathlon. Yeah. The first week you might do a half mile swim and then a 10 mile bike and a three mile run. And each day, each week, you're adding something onto it. But you're also working on your transitions so that when you get off the bike and you transition to the run, you're not wasting any time. Mm -hmm. So people who know me really believe in that. They're like, man, you just don't like wasting any seconds of the day. And that really is how I look at it. If I can take a small thing that's going to save me five or 10 minutes, it's as easy as like, I don't ever bring my cell phone into my bedroom and I turn off my phone at night because I know that if I spend an extra minute or two looking at my website, trying to come up with something, or I'm looking at a text message when I should be getting those seven to eight hours of sleep, which is something I struggle with, that mm -hmm. I'm losing out on what's going to happen the next day. So I do believe that. I believe that every little thing is going to help me succeed the next day. And that's kind of how I go about my life, how I go about mentoring people. Well, and it's interesting that you use compounding too, because I'm betting as a, a self-help nut like me, you're probably familiar with the compound effect by Darren Hardy, oh. right? Where he talks about the little things stacking up. It's the whole basis of it. And I'm a big believer as well. So you plan your tomorrows today. Um, and you also get up and journal a little bit first thing in the morning or take me through, I guess, your Take me through your morning routine. I know you said that yeah. you work out, but what does it literally look like when you first wake up through, you know, let's just take the first couple hours of the day. Yeah, that's perfect. So I do get up pretty early. I get up anywhere between four and 4.30 and typically you have to be in clinic where I work around 7.30 to eight. So that's given me about three hours to do. And that, that's so important to me because throughout my training in the military, throughout my training, when I went on to become a physician in medical school, I would see people who would just roll out of bed, get their clothes on and go. And mm -hmm. I kept thinking I've never been that way. I've always been a morning person. And so I knew that if I kept doing what I was doing, I could get so much done. And I met a couple people that were just like that. And so we were able to feed off each other, especially when I was in medical school, going through a pretty tough time. So my routine, literally, I get out of bed, I get a glass of water, brush my teeth. I don't eat in the morning. I, I have a hard time eating before working out, just something I'm not used to. And I get right into it. I've got my stuff already ready. Sometimes I work out at home in the garage or I go to the gym. And so I get to the gym that first 45 minutes or an hour, I'm just going at it. I try to do more interval type training so I can get really a good workout in that may not take as long, but it has a really good effect. Yeah. I feel like it energizes me. If I have a chance to sit in the sauna a couple of days a week, what I'll do in the dry sauna is I'll take 10 or 15 minutes and that's where I do a lot of my writing. So okay. I actually do, I have to dry off because I'll be sweating, but I sit there and I write for about 10 minutes and I think about, I try to come up with a topic. So, you know, to give you something interesting, I, the other day, the women's team won the world cup. And so just what I wrote about for 15, 20 minutes, I wrote about how the women won the world cup and how it's their fourth world cup title. But really what I wrote about in my journal was about the effect that that's having on all these children, both boys and girls. It's giving people hope. It's opening their eyes to something, especially when it's young girls. I have two young girls myself. And I saw what it did to them over the last couple of weeks and how it inspires. And, and it could be something that I write about that day. You know, a day before that, I just wrote about I, my title was the joy of life is that we are living in it right now. And that was my topic sentence to start my day was that I'm living in life right now. And then I just went on and I started writing about it. And I may only write like say half of a journal entry in the morning. Something might stir my emotions in the afternoon. I'll write another sentence or two. And then at night, I'll write a few things that may have happened during the day. And it's really helped me. That's how I wrote my first book is that I literally journaled for about three months and I turned that into a book that's now published. And so it was really, it's really awesome to be able to do that. 
Interesting. And, and we'll get back to the book, but you're, so when you journal, it's really just a free flowing, whatever's kind of on your heart, on your mind that day. Yeah, I come up with that. I don't ever really pick a title or a topic the night before. I mean, I'll say it has happened, but I'd say that happens maybe once a month. It's really, I get up and I think of something that I either dreamt about, or I literally wake up and I go, you know what, today I'm going to talk about how to manage your time and how it's really about managing your energy. I wrote that recently. And then uh, the other day I wrote about, I wrote something a couple months ago about Jackie Robinson. Something talked to me about how his struggle to be the first African-American baseball player. And then I turned that into a blog post. And so different things just come to mind. And I could be sitting on the Stairmaster and I hear someone talking in the gym and I'll write about that or about the guy that I saw the other day who rolled in and he had all these military veterans sticker on his wheelchair and he's in the gym with one prosthetic leg and he's working out at 5.30 in the morning. And so my topic was, what's my excuse? And so like, I'll just come up with that. And, and then I really do try to write about three things that I'm grateful for every day and I try to make them different. So like one day I'll be grateful for my wife and my kids or I was grateful that this homeless person smiled at me because it opened up my eyes to like really what's out there and, or about a patient that I had in my office. And so there's a lot of different things and it really helps me set the tone so that when I'm done doing that, I'm done working out, take a shower and get to work. And it just gives me a new sense of purpose every day. Yeah. And you're just, when you, when you not only get the good performance enhancing drug that I sometimes call exercise because there's nothing else that duplicates the physical, emotional, mental benefits that we get from exercise. When you do that and then combine it with grounding and anchoring yourself in gratitude, it is just really hard to have a bad day after that. I mean, you are, you are off to a fly and start. Are there any other habits, routines, disciplines, things that you do that you feel like have been instrumental to your success? Yeah, so I, I will tell you, I know we talked about working out every morning, we talked about journaling, talked about prepping the bag the night before. I really do think, especially me being a family in medicine and sports medicine doctor that focuses a lot on nutrition, I think teaching people or getting your listeners to really buy into this whole idea of meal prepping, and it doesn't have to be perfect. It could be for the first couple days of the week, but let's say you did on Sunday afternoon, You're a say you're a Monday through Friday type employer, or employee, you prepped your meals for the first couple of days, it makes a huge difference. You're not struggling to think about what you should eat. And it's not even that. I see a lot of people, I heard a, a fellow physician one day, we were both working out at lunch and he said, yeah, now I've got to go find food at the end of his workout. And he had 10 minutes to get back to his clinic. And I kind of laughed and I wrote that down. I'm like, go to find food. It's not like you're out in the caveman days or <laughs> you're out in Africa where I spent time. I mean, you're you should not have an excuse in 2019 that you have to go find food. And I, oh. I know I was chuckling about it, but it was really like, wow, because I could tell he wasn't even prepping where I got my workout done. I got to work out an extra 10 minutes because I had my food in a bag already. Yeah. And, you know, little things like prepping your meals, thinking about what you want to do ahead of time, even the, the idea of, hey, I'm going to think about what I want to do this Friday and Saturday instead of just kind of going on a whim. Now, I've had to work on that because sometimes it's great just to do mindful or mindless things. And, but I, I really think that prepping these different parts of your life makes a huge difference. Yeah. It's, it's the failing to plan is planning to fail, right? Right. Great yeah. quote. Yeah, it absolutely is. So I'm going to, I'm going to go off on a different direction here. I think that it's a common, probably misconception that even someone like you, that seems incredibly disciplined in every single thing that you do, 
I'm sure you still have times where you get bucked off the horse, you know, or things don't always go according to plan. And you may fall off less frequently than let's say other people or, or, you know, not fall off the same distance, however you want to say it. But do you have any ways, any things that you say to yourself or anything that you do that when your good habits get broken or when you aren't as disciplined as you should be, that you get back on that horse and you continue to ride? Does that make sense? I love how you ask that because I think it's so critical. So one of my favorite authors is Napoleon Hill. Mm -hmm. And I know you've heard of him with Think and Grow Rich, but he also wrote a big book that I've read a few times now called The Law of Success. And it's really thick. And one of my favorite quotes, and he said, and he said, most people have attained their greatest success just one step beyond their greatest failure. And I love that quote because we get to fail every day. And then John Maxwell wrote a book called Failing Forward. And so I think about that. And I know you talk about that in a lot of the work you do. And so for me, I think it's great for your listeners, especially I think that people like us actually fail a lot more than a lot of other people because one of the things that we're willing to do is we're willing to take a risk to fail. Mm -hmm. And so I would say that on a daily basis, I'm failing. Like there's a certain speed I want to do my run at or a certain weight I want to lift or I wanted to write this much in my journal. And today I wrote a half a page, not a full page. And it really eats at me because I'm like, why couldn't I accomplish this? Mm -hmm. I mean, it eats at me so much. I go to bed at night going like, man, why didn't I do that? Or We have dinner at five or six o'clock at night and I'm still hungry at seven or eight. So I go and have a snack. Now, mind you, it'll be a healthy snack compared to what most people are doing, but it's still, I told myself I wasn't going to eat after seven o'clock and then I have a snack and then what do you know? I wake up in the morning at four and I've got a little bit of a stomach ache from it because I couldn't handle having a meal right before bed or I tell myself I'm going to, you know, try to talk to my kids in a certain way. And then I get frustrated because they're not listening to me. And so then I beat myself up as a father. And I really, it's a daily thing. And I, I, I bet you can attest to it too, is I feel like I'm failing at a lot of things every day. Whereas maybe a lot of people look at my life as a physician, as an aviator, as an athlete, they're like, man, this guy is succeeding in everything. And I, I really feel like I'm not. And I think that's what keeps me going. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting how we look at quote unquote successful or high achieving people. We just think that every single thing that they do turns to gold and they have no struggles and they never fail. Um, And, you know, one of my lines is always, there is no failure. There's only feedback. And it's, it's a mental shift I've had to make that the only way that you can ever really fail at something is if you make a mistake and you continue to make that same mistake and never learn something from it. Otherwise, we're all just on this path of gathering feedback from our setbacks, from our mistakes, from the things that we didn't do well, and then using it to be better the next time around. So to dig into that just a little bit more, do you have any specific, and you can go as big or as small as you want to on this, but any specific we can call them failures, but mistakes, things that have happened in your life that at the time it was like, wow, that, that really sucked. Or that was like, that was something that was really a setback that I didn't see coming that you maybe thought of as a failure at the time, but then you actually use and gathered some value feed, valuable feedback from to be able to use and move forward um, in the future. Yeah. So there, there's been a lot. I'll tell you, I think one of them it sticks out because I may not be here today sharing this story was going back to flight school and it was already a rigorous event. And I remember going on this flight and thinking that everything went pretty well. 
you know, myself and the instructor pilot. And I thought things went well. I thought I did a good briefing of the mission before we went up. And this was early on. And we came back and he's doing my score sheet and he hands it to me. And the way they do it in Navy flight school is that everything is based off your scores on what you're going to get to fly later on. So when you graduate, whether you get to go jets, aircraft carriers, all those things. And I remember, and it's above average, average, below average, or failed is how the sheet looks. And I remember this guy gave me all these average marks, one above average mark for my briefing of the mission. And then he gave me a below average and a fail for something that happened up in the plane. And I remember just sitting there at 22 years old thinking like, oh my gosh, it's all over. Because I'd heard from classmates ahead of me that if you fail, one, if you fail once, you're pretty much on the brink that you're not going to make it through. And so I was, that for two days I was done. And this was really 20 years ago. And then I, I thought about what I had to do to get through that. So, I mean, I'm studying my butt off. I thought I did everything right. I still not really sure all the things that I was doing wrong. And then I got to medical school in my 30s with all these young 21-year-olds because I went later in life because of my Navy time. Yeah. And I was in the first two weeks of medical school taking a genetics test. And mind you, I was a pre-med student, did all this, but I had done it 10, 12 years before. So I'd been out of that for a long time. And I got this sheet back with my grade on it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm already failing a test in the first two weeks of medical school. This is four years of what's going to be pretty rough, arduous labor, and then residency after that, and then fellowship. And so uh, those two marks have still stood out with me quite a bit. Uh, there's been a lot of other things. I think one of the things I'd love to share with your listeners too, because I think it's so critical, is there's been times where I've gotten really mad at one of my two girls for something that they did and their kids and where I've blown up and totally went out of character where I would never be like this in my Navy uniform. I would never be like this in my clinic with one of my patients because I would get fired for it. And yeah. it's pretty humiliating and I share it because it's, I think it's such a huge amount of growth where I've gotten so mad at my kids that I just, I lose my mind and I totally come out of what I preach every day yeah. about being exceptional. And, and so I think that those things have really taught me many lessons. There's been many more when I was living in my truck in high school for 10 months. And that's, that's where I had been literally every day for 10 months and 10 days. And I was 16 years old and I looked at my life as a complete failure then. And I think I'm lucky because I could have gone on a different path. I could have started doing drugs, could have started drinking, but instead I was working and playing sports and somehow I got through that time and went to college that next year. So I, there's a lot. I don't, I don't know if I got to the heart of your question, but. Oh, I, I think you absolutely did. And I thank you for being so transparent on a number of different issues because I, I think that's so important is that, you know, we're not just these successful people where, or high achieving people where everything we do is just perfect and happy go lucky and kind of the social media highlight reel that you see from a lot of people out there. Like we have very real struggles and setbacks like everybody else. So I think it's important to share that. Uh, you're a self-help guy. Do you have any specific quotes or sayings that you try to live your life by that are your favorites? Yeah. So, you know, there's a few, I, you know, I shared one with you from Napoleon Hill earlier, but there's a couple other. I think Einstein's quote, or whoever said it, but I attributed to Einstein about that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And I share that with my patients a lot because they struggle, whether it's with losing weight, whether it's with cutting down on their high blood pressure or diabetes. Uh, some other things I was thinking about before we jumped on today was that your life is a do-it-yourself project. And, it's, and, and that has always been something that's resonated with me because you know I, I hear about stories that, you know, I, I haven't been lucky enough or I wasn't dealt these cards. Well, I'll tell you, Scott, 
I definitely am one of those people that didn't get dealt a great hand to go and play poker with. I had to figure out what to do with the cards that I was dealt, and I've really tried to make something of them. I mean, literally both my parents came from overseas. They both weren't educated. They met. They got married. I'm not really sure. They never really spoke the same language, which I kind of chuckle now, but explains why they maybe didn't stay married. Uh, but like looking at that and thinking about what I came from and what I'm doing with it, and, and if, you know, talking about some people now that have reached out to me now that they've heard about my book and my website and people from high school that now are like, wow, I never knew you lived in your truck. You kept it to yourself and you kept pushing ahead. And I thought about what that meant. And it, it was this big sense of humility and being humble. But, you know, a couple of those quotes or one of the other ones I think that really sits with me a lot is this idea of the best way to sell yourself to others is to sell others to yourself. Because when I think about the people who come into my clinic, and that can be a tricky one, and I know people haven't heard that quote a lot, but I think about a patient walking in, being a doctor is so fabulous because I don't, it's, it's like the number one way for me to never judge someone, that I'm there to help whoever it is that comes in. And for this past year of my life in Waco, Texas, I've gotten to work at this underserved clinic where people don't have medical insurance, where they might be homeless, and they're literally coming in to see what I can do to help them with as little resources as possible. And so I, I just think about those kind of quotes and they drive me daily. I mean, I'm a quote guy like yourself where if something can inspire me, I want to use it and use it over again and so it can help someone else. So uh, tell me a little bit more about your book because I assume we're talking about Exceptional Every Day. Is that? Yeah, for sure. Yep. So it published uh, just over three months ago. I got picked up by Greenleaf Book Group out of Austin, Texas before I even knew I was coming to Texas. And they do a lot of self-help, self, uh, thought leader type books. And so I had this idea for a book and I said, hey, this kid who, you know, had different languages spoken in the home, English wasn't really the first language. You know, one day if I wrote a book and I could create this kind of legacy for my kids, but also change people's lives, I hope I can do that. And so the book really started 20 years ago when I was thinking about sitting in my truck and I came up with this idea called the process. And I know people use that all the time now. And I wish I could have trademarked it 20 years ago. But I kept thinking that everything in life is a process. I'm living this process myself, living in my truck, going on to college, joining the military, becoming a physician. It was all a process. It was sequential, and it may not have been perfect. I didn't stay on one straight freeway. I had to take these different detours here and there. But when I came up with my idea for the book, what I wanted to do was design a book where people could design the life that they wanted. And I wanted to have a book where every chapter was a different priority in someone's life. So chapter one, it's all about you, kind of like what we started this conversation about. Chapter two, it's developing your why, looking at your passions and your work and trying to combine them. And then I had this chapter on setting your table, how, you know, those of us who know about, you know, get into quotes and self-help, you can define yourself by the five people you're closest to, that I could not even meet you, Scott, today. If you told me about your five closest friends, I could really think about who you are as a person. So I called that chapter setting your table. And a lot of people have reached out to me because of that particular chapter saying, you know what, Jason, I need to reevaluate who's at my table right now, today. And so, you know, I have other chapters on spirituality, managing your energy, uh, looking at your life and being significant. Because for me, the number one way of success is to really not worry about getting anything in return and trying to help people. And that's really what being significant is all about. And so when I put the book together, another way that I tried to make it different for readers was that I really wanted them about them, not me. So I have a few stories about myself throughout the book, but I share a lot of stories about professional athletes that I'm friends with, everyday people that I'm friends with, and I have questions for reflection and direction at the end of every chapter. 
because I wanted it to be a book that people could leave on their desk and actually come back to time and again and, and really try to manifest what they want, reset their priorities, and then design that life that they're looking for. And it's, it's, it sounds very similar to, and I'll be point blank honest, that your book is on my reading list. I have not gotten to it yet, but I'm excited to read it. But it sounds very similar to the way that I try and write my books. Is I always yeah. say that you can write a book where you want people to read it, or you can write a book where you want people to reference it. And I think referencing a book where you're coming back to it and you're using things for for journaling, for reflection, for implementation, for for tactics and different things like that. That's always what I've strived to do because I feel like that's more impactful when people can actually take it and implement it into what it is that they're doing. Yeah, and I, I think that I've had so many books that have been like that in my life over these past 30 years where I've been able to do that and I've kept them out as a reference. So they're the books that I've really held on to because you know, one thing that I do, and you probably do it too, is everybody has a different way when they read. So I, I literally take notes on a note card and then I file the note card in this small little file box. I got that from John Maxwell 15 years ago, but then I'll use those for some of my talks or some of my coaching. And I literally have a card with the title of the book and then I have anything. And so it, it takes me a little longer to read books sometimes because I'm doing that. Uh, other people highlight and make circles and they go back. But I really find a lot of use when I can actually write out my thoughts and if someone asks me a question at the end of a chapter, it'll stick a lot more. And that's what I wanted to do for the reader. Mm -hmm. So if people are interested in finding out more information on the book, as well as more information on you, where would you like yeah. people to go to be able to do that? So I think the easiest way is my website, which is my first name, last name.com. So J-A-S-O-N-B-A-L-A-D-A-O.com. My website, I started a couple years ago. It was really just a blog where I was blogging once a week. I've turned it into like a free resource guide. I literally direct my patients to it. I direct my coaching clients, the athletes that I work with. And what I've put on there is I have health and wellness resources. You can find over 100 uh, free PDFs for a lot of the nutrition stuff that I do, a lot of the exercise and rehab stuff. You download them. Some of them are pictographs because I know a lot of people don't just like to read. So they might have 10 or 20 words and then they have pictures. Uh, my book is on there. You have links to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, 800 CEO Read if you're looking for more bulk stuff for your for your working group, for a mastermind group, for your clients. Uh, but it's really sold everywhere. We've got an ebook edition all as well you can find on Amazon. And then I'm in the midst of uh, creating an audio book right now because I've gotten a lot of feedback where people are like, hey, you should do this in an audio book because there's a lot of people who would really benefit from that. So we're working on those steps. Yeah, definitely do it in an audio book. It would be very popular. I'll, I'll tell you that hands down for sure. Uh, and for anybody listening, I will put a link to that, uh, to your website in the show notes. And are there any other, I mean, I would like to keep you on here for a lot longer and dig into some of these things, but are there any other words of wisdom, um, parting shots that you'd like to leave with the audience? So I think my thought for the day and something that I really think about a lot, but it's, it's definitely a way to go out today would be that I would encourage your listeners to really think about something they want to be dedicated to and whether that's growing themselves in their own business, if their education, if they can go out and volunteer somewhere, but picking something that they think they could commit to for say 30 days, for 60 days, for a year, and whether that's once a week where they can go volunteer their time somewhere, whether it's reading to kids, whether it's working at a Salvation Army, a soup kitchen, but finding something that moves you and then doing it and then reflecting on that after that period of time and seeing how it's changed who you are. And, and I really just, I would say the word dedication is something that I really think about a lot because I feel like if you get dedicated to something and if you can get dedicated to more than one thing, that's even better. 
that's where the compartmentalizing and the compounding effect come into play. But I would say go out and be dedicated. And it sounds like that reflection, especially for you, and I've heard this from others as well, should really be a tangible reflection where you write it down in something like a journal, right? I mean, I, I think that's no small thing. I think it's, it's so easy when you say, oh, I got a lot out of going and reading to these kids one hour a week. And, but I think when you write that down and you think about what that hour really was like and you start yeah. to extrapolate, and I know some people don't like to write. I don't know, voice record. Share your thoughts on a voice recorder or something for yourself, you can go back and really like hear what that meant to you. And I bring that story up because my wife was doing this while we were in Texas and, and to see the effect it had on her to read to these three kids who were from broken homes in second grade who couldn't even read at a preschool level and what that did to her. And, and I, so I think that that is just, yeah, reflecting, writing things down, like anything, like losing weight. If you write down what your goals are, it makes a huge difference. Yeah. Awesome. What, that is a great parting shot to leave with the audience. I'm such a huge believer. So Jason, on behalf of the outperforming audience, we want to thank you for sharing all of your time and your wisdom with us here today. And congratulations on all of the tremendous work that you're doing. I really hope people connect with you and uh, we're privileged to have you here on the podcast. Uh, totally grateful to be here today, Scott. Thanks a lot. All right. And to all of you out there, keep outperforming, wishing you the best of health, happiness, and high performance. Have a great day. Hello, outperformers. Three more quick things before we sign off here today. First and foremost, thank you so much for listening to this episode. I understand how many different podcasts are out there, and I do not take a single second of your time for granted because time is truly our most valuable asset. It is our most precious commodity, and I appreciate you taking that time and you spending it with us here today. Second, if you found value in this podcast, maybe you've noticed, but podcasting has gotten quite popular as of late. And if you would like to help support the Outperforming Movement and the Outperform Podcast, one of the best ways that we can get it found is for you to give it a favorable review and rating on whatever your favorite podcasting platform happens to be. So head on over to iTunes, head on over to Google Play, and give it a favorable review. And while you do that, also share it with someone else that you know that is just like you, is driven by growth and wanting to be the best personally and professionally in every single thing that they do. Number three, if you want even more tools and tips and strategies to be able to be your best personally and professionally, head on over to scottwelly.com. That's S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. -L -L -E. There are loads of different resources for you on everything from goal setting and grit to resiliency and focus to confidence and motivation and routines and habits and everything that you can possibly imagine to help you be your absolute best every single day, personally and professionally. Once again, if you'd like to access those free resources, head on over to scottwelly.com, S-C-O-T-T-W-E-L-L-E. So as I sign off, thank you again for spending your time with me here today. Keep outperforming and as always, wish you the best of health, happiness, and high performance. Have a great day.